This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Love Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. Hey guys, Kevin coming to you with the Wednesday night Finsider podcast. Uh, live show would we'll take your calls 347-326-9461 347-326-9461 we also have a live thread up on the Finsider if you want to go in there and drop questions in or whatever you want to talk about we'll make it happen I'm joined by James James how are you tonight I'm good how are you Kevin I'm doing okay if uh, technology wants to like me tonight it uh it's trying to give me a little bit of a difficulty but that's okay We'll see what happens. It makes the show a little bit, a uh, little bit uh, more interesting. Yes, blame it on the technology. <laughs> it's always the technology's fault. It's supposed to make life easier. <laughs> but um, be- just before the show, we were talking about the uh, fun-filled story of the day. But we won't start there for the show, just because it is a Dolphins blog. So we may as well uh, talk a little bit of dolphin stuff. Um, just a little bit though. Um, looking at the, all these mock drafts that are coming out, um, 
let's see, today alone we posted two from NFL.com and one from ESPN. So they're popping up all over the place now, and we are reaching that point in the off season where it is the biggest thing going on. Um, and it's funny because the majority or the the largest number of them, I won't say majority, but the largest number of them right now are saying we're going after um, Keenan Allen out of Cal. But there's a large portion that is starting to swing towards going defense and going for basically the best defensive end available at the time. So it, it just seems like nobody is quite sure – Part of it is, obviously, free agency and the combine and all that hasn't happened. But it doesn't seem like anybody's quite sure which way the Dolphins are going to go with that first pick. Are they going to use it on the big-name wide receiver, or are they going to go on defense? And that really comes down to what it is. It's either a defensive end or a wide receiver. Where do you think the Dolphins are looking? What do you think they're going to try to do? Do you you think it's better to go defense in the first round or go offense in the first round? I think – you know, you say no one knows what, what they're going to do. I don't even think the Dolphins know what they're going to do. I don't think any team knows what they're going to do right now. I mean, free agency hasn't started. We don't know who we're going to re-sign. You know, yeah. if 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 Jake Log walks, you know, do we need to go replace him? Do we start shifting that, you know, start moving players around? Um, you know, does Brian Hartline walk? You know, is that is that, you know, an additional? You know, we probably need at least two wide receivers. Do we need a third? I mean, how many holes are we going to have to fill? Yeah, I think, you know, do we? Who do we resign? Who do we sign off the street? It's it's kind of that that. I mean, who knows? These these writers just you know they make up scenarios because I guess they have to have something to write about this time of year, but no one really knows. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look. I haven't I haven't read Kuiper's mock draft yet, and I know. Keith posted it, so I'm trying to scan through that real quick. Um, he has Corderell Patterson coming to us. So he Kuiper sees us going wide receiver and going after Patterson from Tennessee. So I think I think you're right. I think there are a lot of teams that don't know. The thing that I find interesting is um, Albert Breer from NFL, NFL Network and NFL.com. I posted it today. The way he builds his mock drafts is he calls executives and scouts, gets their idea of who could go where, and then figures out what the consensus is and builds his mock draft that way. So it has some input of actual NFL execs, but his mock draft had no quarterbacks in the first round, and I think Kuypers also had no quarterbacks in the first round at this point. And, huh. I mean, it obviously at some point quarterbacks are going to rocket up the uh, – draft boards, and somebody's going to take a first-round quarterback. But it looks like right now nobody is high on any quarterback this year. So, I mean, there were people last year that wanted us to wait a year and go get Matt Barkley when he came out. And Barkley is at the best right now seen as the number two quarterback in a class that has no first-round draft picks for a quarterback. So it comes back to, was Tannehill the right pick? And I, I absolutely think Tannehill 100% was. Um, there's been some debate on Twitter the past few days, if you guys follow me on Twitter. Um, it was whether or not Tannehill 
was the right pick and how much how do I how do I phrase this so that it comes out the right way? I think it's the 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 what started the whole thing was was Ireland was Ireland's bold move to pick Tannehill at the eighth spot was it the right bold move? Because somebody was arguing that Tan or uh, Ireland should have been bold and taken Russell Wilson at that spot instead of Ryan Tannehill. And I think that the first thing is it's not like Wilson went at the end of the first round. Wilson was picked in the third round because everybody in the league thought he couldn't make it in the NFL. That if, if, I, yeah, go on. If Ireland had taken him the eighth pick, I mean, you you think you think the hatred towards him is bad now? I can't even imagine how how much Twitter and our blog and every other blog out there would have just blown up with anti Ireland. I mean, you name it. I mean, and, and not only that, how, how foolish would he have been to take a guy with the eighth pick that didn't go till the third round? Yep. You know. Yep. Absolutely. And then, I mean, it comes back to today. I saw. Um, Armando wrote in a blog on his site that um, the Dolphins have to be considering taking a quarterback this year because – or no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Armando. It was Omar because Omar hates quarterbacks. Um, Omar flat out said that he has – or we have to take a quarterback this year because from what he has seen of Tannehill, it worries him because he's on the same path that Chad Henney was on. And what? 100%. And that all of us as fans are too blind by our desire to see him succeed that we're ignoring the fact that he had the worst passer rating in the league on the money down, third down, and he had the like the 27th ranked or something passer rating in the fourth quarter, which is the only quarter that you can win a game in. So therefore Tannehill sucks and we have to be prepared for him to bust out, to be a bust. And the only way to do that is to go ahead and take a quarterback this year and start developing the next quarterback behind Tannehill. And it was like, really, man, are are we, are we really there right now? We, everybody has said it. And I know Omar hates playmakers and how everybody wants a playmaker and it's not all about the receivers and the running backs and the quarterbacks, but you have to look at the other guys and you have to take your eye off the ball and all that stuff. I know that's what Omar is preaching, but at some point you have to step back from that and go, who did he have to throw the ball to? Brian Hartline did an awesome job. Don't get me wrong. Brian Hartline was an awesome wide receiver this year for the Dolphins, but he's not an awesome wide receiver. He is a good wide receiver. He's a solid wide receiver. He's, worthy of being a Pro Bowl alternate, but I don't think he is a Pro Bowl starter. So no. you have Brian Hartline, you had Devon Best, who was injured for a good chunk of the year, and um, is a slot wide receiver we're asking to be a, a wide outside flanking wide receiver. So we're we're asking these guys to do more than they are capable or not capable of, but more than what is their strength. So at what point do you go, okay, we do need 
wide receivers. We do need running backs. We do need these guys that touch the ball. Take your eye off the ball, that's great, but at some point you have to move to the point where you have to have somebody that can actually touch the ball. But um, I'm, I'm scanning through the, uh, the live thread right now, too. Uh, Alpha says, which wide receiver for the Dolphins? His question was Patterson. Um, I like Patterson. He's probably the one that the one that at 12 we could take and probably I would be the happiest about. I know everybody's big on Keenan Allen right now. Um, I, I think Patterson is the one I would prefer over those two. Um, you guys know my answer right now on the wide receiver I want. I want Tavon Austin. I absolutely no reason. And since I think that was his number that just popped up, I'm going to assume that's Keith coming in. Keith, how are you tonight? How's it hanging? Um, I won't answer that. Um, all okay. I know is I looked up right as you said that and Mariah Carey was on TV. So apparently my TV is on Fox and American Idol is on. Um <laughs> You're the only uh, person still watching it. I'm not it. watching it. It's just what's on. <laughs> be, be, when I get home from work, I put it on Fox because they do an hour of Two and a Half Men, and then they do an hour of Big Bang Theory. And then when the show starts, I've just muted the TV, and whatever comes on next comes on next until after the show. So apparently um, American Idol is on. But uh, So, okay, since you're here now, Keith, which wide receiver at the 12th spot would make the most sense for the Dolphins? Patterson. Patterson? Yeah, and then uh, probably 1B would be Hopkins. I do think you, that. Uh, do you think Hopkins needs to go that early, or can they get him in the second round? Uh, I don't. I think once the the pre-draft process has concluded, I don't think I don't think he's going to go any any further than probably. Like the mid first, like right around the uh, the late teens, early twenties, where you have teams like Minnesota picking. I, I think that it once the pro- the pre draft process is over, I think Hopkins is as good as gone once that that crop comes up. So, I like them both, but uh, I'm a little bit puzzled by some of the comments I see about Patterson. I mean, like people say like, "Yeah, he wouldn't fit." It's like you watch what, what what he does, and I mean, he played for uh, a Tennessee offense that had a little bit going for it. But I mean, he beat up on some really good defenses. Um, I just lost all sound. Can you guys hear me? I can't hear you. I don't know if you guys can hear me because I just lost all sound. I'm going to stop talking while you guys take over. Sounds like you're running the garbage disposal or something in the background. He is running the garbage disposal. I'm actually running nothing. I can hear you guys again, but I'm running nothing. Why is it that the person with the most equipment is... It's like it's always failing you. I don't know. James was harassing me about this before the show. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm harassing anyway. you about what? About how I always have technical difficulties. You do. You do. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. So, okay. Um, anyway, it was uh, I, I got distracted there for a second, but 
I think that given the body of work and uh, the upside at 12, 12 see, the tricky thing is justifying taking a receiver at 12 because yeah. people are people are always going to call that the, the range where you should be looking for people like, you know, your Calvin Johnsons and your A.J. Greens and and whatnot. And, I mean, that's clearly not the case this year. This isn't a top-end heavy class. But I think you have a lot of guys who really fit what we want to do. And I think some of the upper echelon guys really fit what we want to do, and Patterson would be one of them. So, which, way, which way do you think it makes more sense? Do you think it makes more sense to go wide receiver in the first round and then defensive end in the second or the other way around? Well, that's provided that defensive end is what we're looking at as one of our top two needs. Right. I mean, you could you could say that we could go best player available the first two or three rounds and have a really random set. I mean, you could have it where uh, just going by Kuiper's mock, he had all the big time pass rushers going in the top ten. Yeah. You know, I think he had Deion Jordan going to Tennessee, which is interesting. I hadn't really thought of that. I, I didn't really think of Jordan as a fit there. But uh, so then you get out to twelve, and it's well, all the the high end pass rushers are are off the board, and a lot of people are concerned with Anza's uh, rawness, I guess you'd say, and I am too. He's the kind of guy where I mean, we want contributors right off the bat at pass rusher, you know, because, I mean, we have the developmental guy in Olivier Vernon. What we're looking for someone is for someone to just be a, a splash-type pass rusher right off the bat. So I don't think Anza really fits that. So uh, I guess that's a real roundabout way of saying we're going to sit there at 12 and we're going to have a couple of options. Trading down is one of them. And I know that that's, that's hard for some Dolphins fans to stomach. I don't know yeah. if Patterson's there, and and that's if Patterson's there. I've seen some lists have uh, Patterson going as high as number six overall. I don't think the Browns would do that, but it just goes to show that I mean we're not the only team in that range who will right. consider a receiver. And I mean the Browns obviously they took Brandon Whedon, and unless the new coaching staff just guts it they've got to get pieces around him fast. So it could make sense to go after a big wide receiver and try to get pieces around him before he does get old because he's an older rookie. So um, I was thinking, as you were saying that, I was thinking the thing that we have to remember as fans, and it, it's going to be hard because we want we want immediate impact, like you were saying. Wide receiver is the position – most often that it takes two or three years for a wideout to get NFL ready. And I mean, developmental plot for sure. T Y Hilton came out and did great. Okay. Got it. But I mean, even look at Justin Blackman, he didn't start coming on until the end of the season. And granted that's because Chad Henney came in there and saved their year. But, uh, (laughs) 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 but no, I mean, he he came on at the end of the year. I mean, look at um, Des Bryant. And granted, Des Bryant also has the maturity issues and stuff, but Des Bryant didn't become a force like he is now until this, until the second half of this year, really. So it, it takes a little while. So if we are relying on rookie wide receivers to make a immediate impact, 
we're going to immediately go as fans. We're immediately going to be saying, oh, that was the bust. We should have picked this other guy. So like, I guess the main question is, at 12, which position do you value the most? I mean, and suppose that – look at it the way Kuiper hit. So say the, the top three or four pass rushers are off the board. I mean, do you trade down and look for a pass rusher in the late first, a guy like Okafor, one of those guys, or, or Hunt out of uh, SMU? Or do you stay at 12, go with with the, the receiver who you think will pair well with the guy you, guys you brought in via free agency, or do you just uh, stick with the script and go with, you know, like a maybe a chance Warmack if, if and that's provided he doesn't go to a team like Arizona or something. And I, I know a lot of Dolphins fans don't want to hear that, but <laughs> I think that if if the top pass rushers are off the board and um, D. Milliner is off the board. I think you do try to push back. I, if we if we could land Milliner out of uh, Alabama, the cornerback out of Alabama, I would be perfectly happy sitting at twelve. I've seen him on some mocks; he's going as early as number two. I've seen him as late as seventeen, eighteen, nineteen in that range. Um, again, this is all pre combine, pre all that stuff, and. Also, like Kuiper and um, Breer had today, no quarterbacks in the first round. So some quarterback is going to jump up there. Barkley's going to come out at the combine and show something or at his pro day and show something, or Geno Smith is going to, or somebody is, and a quarterback is going to jump in there. Um, there are teams up there that are going to be looking for quarterback. And like I was telling James just before, I think it was before you came on, it, you may have already come in. I just hadn't introduced you yet. But can you imagine if the Dolphins had decided, like a lot of fans wanted, to just go ahead and skip quarterback last year and wait for Barkley this year and suck for Barkley at the number one overall pick? Because, I mean, he's he's right now he's the second-rated quarterback in a class that doesn't even see quarterback go in the first round, according to some of the bigger mocks. I think you'll see Geno Smith eventually crawl. Yeah. Maybe Glenn as well. The thing is, those guys have upside. Yeah. Uh, Barkley doesn't have a lot of upside. What, what are you going to see out of that guy that you, you're you not already expecting? I mean, he's not going to go out there and wow you with uh, like balls out arm strength or uh, – Improved mechanics. Also, I mean, his mechanics are already good. He's already operating at a, a very low ceiling. So, I mean, if you if you're going to see a quarterback coming in the first round, you're going to see see someone who's going to go out and wow scouts. You know, like they go out and watch Glennon and they're floored by his arm strength. I get, I think accuracy is going to be a problem for him. So, and that will scare people away. But then you'll see Geno Smith and, and his ability to. Um, and the big question with him is, can he go from West Virginia and run an offense in the NFL? That seems yeah. to be always, always the question with those guys. Well, I mean, look at USC. Barkley has to fight the USC quarterback tradition right now. I mean, Sanchez is the most successful of the recent USC quarterbacks. And Sanchez is only still there because Rex Ryan has a tattoo on his arm. <laughs> well, the, the USB quarterback stigma is well-deserved at this point. I mean, sometimes that stuff can be overblown, but 
what you're saying with USC quarterbacks is quite true. You know, they get by on the talent that they have out there. Um, yeah. And, and now you're seeing the fact that even and the Sanchez had some talent around him. I think I think Stephen Hill is going to be a good player. Uh, but it's just, I mean, you saw him like his offensive line wasn't very good, and you really got the impression that. Uh, that offensive line was one of the pillars holding that team up because when they were going to the AFC Championship game in consecutive years, that, that offensive line was pretty good. That was when Mangold was playing at a, an elite level. You know, Ferguson was, was playing real strong, and I think they still had Fanica for some yep. of that. So, I mean, that that was that was a good offensive line, and once, once those guys really started to age and uh, wear away, then, I mean, Sanchez was completely exposed. So. I think uh, I think Smith will probably jump up there. Um, you know who I want to see at the combine, and I'm really interested to see. In I think he's in the Senior Bowl. Um, is uh, Denard Robinson? I want to see how he makes the switch because they they invited him as a wide receiver. So I mean, granted, we saw it some at the end of the Michigan season, but. He could be an interesting prospect for somebody, especially if somebody wants to get that dual wildcat style quarterback. He could be an option. Yeah, but, I, I'm interested to to see how because I mean he's unreal fast. Yep. So I mean I I have interest in him as a receiver uh, uh, late on day two, but I mean in terms of playing quarterback, I'll pass. Uh, you know, the, the one guy who we're not really talking about right now, and it's, uh, the reason we've kind of shied away from this position is uh, due to the fact that Rashad Jones has kind of come into his own, is uh, a safety like Vaccaro, who's already slated to go in the mid first. I think he he could be one of those guys where if we don't have a, a big-name pass rusher available to us at 12 and we don't feel comfortable with going with a receiver at that spot, and why not just get a a big time safety you can pair with Jones? Yeah. I mean, and all all of a sudden, I mean, you don't say, well, what about Clemens? Screw Clemens. Uh, I feel much more comfortable with putting a guy like Picaro back there, a, a do everything playmaker, and someone who I actually. I did read. I read somewhere that, um, and I guess it was on the site. I I don't remember for sure who said it or where. I wish I could remember, but the Dolphins were saying a chunk of why Jones made a breakout season this year was because he left people out to dry, and he would be in the wrong place, and that's why you would see times where like Sean Smith, who everybody loves to jump on and hates because he's garbage, he would be expecting Jones to be there, and Jones wasn't there, and it made it look like Smith got beat. Uh-huh. I. I don't know. Um, I think that's part of the combination that we had. Jones Jones wants to be the Ed Reed out there ball hawking, going to make a play. And we need that other safety to be back there to cover him. And Chris Clemens does it okay. He's not great. But, yeah, if we could get a safety to pair with him and somebody that could be back there to be a safety and be the last guy, it it could be a good move early in the draft. Yeah, and I love the car in that role. 
So that's just kind of a name to, to keep up on because I think he'll end up being the top safety in this class. I think you'll see some other guys jump for it. I think Eel and Reed uh, are guys who, who will be up there uh, once uh, April comes around. But I think Vicaro will, will end up – well, I mean, he's already the number one guy. I think he'll stay the number one guy just because of the, the complete skill set that he brings. I mean, he's he can play center field. He can get right up on the line of scrimmage if he has to. He's real good against the run. So um, that's something where – just to keep in the back of your mind, where if you're not comfortable with the receivers and the pass rushers aren't there and these people who aren't automatically are going to think we're going to go offensive line at that point. And they're not totally wrong in thinking that. Because Jeff Ireland's already proven that he, he views – that position in that range as value-based picks. Yep. So, so I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll interrupt you for a second and bring in Chris Duke, our favorite redneck, as it says on my board. Thanks, James. Duke, how are you tonight? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, your thought at the 12th spot, is it is it a offense or a defensive position? And if, say <clears> – <throat> The top defensive ends are gone. What what do you think we do with that spot? What do I think we? What I really think is going to happen? Yep. Uh, if if um, they don't want to take a wide receiver like Patterson, uh, who I've seen in two mocks today, um, Washington football has us taking Patterson, and Mel Kuyper has to take Patterson. If they don't want to go uh, a situation like that, I'm almost certain Jeff Island is going to trade now. I don't think we picked anybody at 12. I think we trade now unless, they, unless there's somebody like that there that they just have to take. But um, that just makes too much sense. It's, it's his MO. That's how he does things. So I see him trading down uh, to the mid-20s, kind of like we did in 2010, if all the top pass rushers are gone. Or if one of the top cornerbacks, if Milliner's not there um, at the 12 spot. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that long to come across that. Huh. Yeah, I, 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 I've been on the site, but I haven't been able to load it. My, my new office computer... Again, I'm back down to just having when, uh, IE8, so the site loads up all really badly. Mm-hmm. So I'm, uh, I, I, ha- I have issues right now. I'm going to see how to work them out. But today was my new, my first day in my new job, so we'll see how it all works out. But uh, yeah, sorry, I just not to not to just totally ignore everything Duke just said, but that I just like that. Mocking a Conference USA player to your favorite well, team. <laughs> the other thing that's making me laugh right now is uh, TT said he wants to make a suggestion when posting mock drafts and big boards, don't use the offensive line picture. Why do you think I did it? I mean, like, it drives people. I love it. Nothing excites <laughs> more than watching these people go off. <laughs> it says right under the picture that, don't worry, we're not going to take that guy, but... <laughs> and plus, I, I couldn't help but post that. That guy just lets that gut hang out. He is so proud of that thing. So. 
Fret not, Dolphins fans. Mel Kuyper thinks Chance Warmack and his belly are headed to the desert, not Miami. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> but you're really, you're really getting a kick out of this. I'm pleased. I can't believe you didn't read any of that today. I'm very disappointed. I, did. I, I didn't. I didn't have a chance. I didn't even notice you had posted it until I was on my way home, and I happened to. I was sitting at a red light, and I clicked on my phone and saw, oh wait, there, there's something from Keith there. I knew you had said you were going to do it, but I didn't know you had posted it already. So I have not had a chance to read it, no. Well, yeah, that's why I, I love putting pictures of offensive linemen on, on our draft things. I'm not going to put a picture of the guy who, who's um, projected to us. That just ruins the surprise. Yep. I hate that. So you're telling me so, that I need to stop doing that. I got it. Yeah, that was that was my subtle way of saying stop. But, yeah, I thought it was funny. I was like, who, who – what player will most offend the people on this site? I was like, ah, can't form. Here we go. <laughs> Getting back to um, to Duke's thing, I think yeah. he's absolutely right. I think trading down is a very valid uh, scenario right now. I, th- I think they could. I just I, – I almost feel like we're trying to go to the Patriots – style of drafting where because they already have their position set, they're just going to keep trading back and keep trading back, keep trading back. And eventually at some point they're going to strike with all those draft picks. And that's great. It works for them. It works beautifully for them, but we're not at that level yet. And at some point with all these extra first and second day picks, we got to just go ahead and go, you know what? We're all in. I just, I don't know. I mean, we are, we're in a tough spot. We're in the 12th spot. Depending on how the draft goes in front of us, there could be nobody there worth taking for us. And we could be getting lots of phone calls. That's fine. Because I'm, I'm pretty interested. I've heard, read a lot of people say that this is a very, isn't a very top-heavy draft. I mean, and a lot of the value picks are going to be found in the second and third rounds, and I think that, that's also completely yeah. valid. So. Um, the but, best mock draft yeah. that I've seen so far was uh, one from Walter Football, and I, I really liked it. The past few times he's had us take Eric Fisher in the first round, and yep, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't like that. But the past, this past week he had us taking Patterson in the first round. Uh, the only pick I really didn't like was in the second round he had us taking Sharif Floyd, um, and he's under the assumption that we're not re-signing Randy Starks. If we don't re-sign him, I could see that. But that's the only pick I didn't like. The second pick was, uh, I'm not sure how you say his name, uh, Bindum, Bindum, however you say it, uh, the cornerback from Texas. Okay. And our third, round was the, our third round was Chris Falk, the offensive tackle from uh, LSU, and uh, Jordan Reed, the tight end from Florida. And I thought, man, if we, if that was our actual draft, I would be very pleased with that because that gives us um, – yeah, gives us another corner, a couple of playmakers on offense, and uh, that's the best mock that I've seen so far in a while. So, the, the problem with these mocks is right now, I mean, everybody's going on just draft picks. I mean, if we go out and sign Mike Wallace and Greg Jennings, uh, we're not drafting a receiver. So, I mean, this depends on on what happens in free agency and stuff. So. You know, and, and if we went out in free agency and we picked up all these players, a corner, a safety, a wide receiver, and all this stuff, you know, I wouldn't have a problem taking Chance Warmack in at the 12th spot. 
No, I wouldn't have any problem. I mean, I will check up with someone if that's the best thing available. And there's there's plenty of value in Chance Warmack. Um, people don't want to hear that, but there's there's not anything there isn't anything bad about taking Chance Warmack. I mean, your your run game, uh, the validity of it uh, tripled overnight. And I mean, in terms of pass protection, I mean, you saw what what he did against Notre Dame as well. But I mean, that's I want to see excitement too. I want to see some. Wes Welker, 
pick two of those, your favorite two, whatever. Whichever of those we can sign, stick those with Heartline and Bess, and, you know, maybe pick up a tight end at some point in the draft early. You know, we could focus on other things like the offensive line. And I know people say that oh, offensive linemen can't be playmakers. Well, I, I mentioned in one of the posts about you just don't understand what Mike Pouncey does downfield. I mean, the blocks that he puts there, you know, and, and with the whole way that the draft is structured now with the um, with the um, salary cap for rookies, you could you could lock in a guy for four or five years really at an economical price and then be able to spend money on those positions that we want and get proven guys. So I'm thinking that Womack guy, stick him at guard, man. I mean, we want to talk about explosive, but, but the explosive teams in, in, in the NFL, think about teams like the 49ers, even, even the Patriots. Those, those teams have those guys and we don't notice it because they've had them for twenty, you know, ten years. Just you know, you know, and they they're constantly getting those guys because they, you know, they know that that's where you win ball games, offensive and defensive line. I mean, you think about the Patriots. The Patriots haven't drafted, you know, haven't haven't had to do a lot on the defensive line because they've got Wilfork, and that guy just eats up blockers. Um, they've got Mangold. Is it Mangold? No, I'm thinking of Angle, but um, uh, gosh, they've got white lights. They still have white. I don't know, but I know their offensive line is is pretty solid. You know, they've got Solder. They've got. Um, you're thinking of Logan. I think you're thinking of Logan Mankins. Uh, Logan Mankins. Logan And they've had that guy for a while now. I mean, since what, 2006 or so. You know, but they've had that guy in there. Um, they're constantly drafting there. They don't have receivers. Who's their Who's their number one receiver? You know, New Walker, England? and then what? Probably Brandon Well, I mean, Gronk, obviously, but even before they had Gronk, I mean, you know, they were winning games with Deion Branch as a wide receiver. But they had yeah, a solid I... offensive and defensive line. That's well. I mean, that's just a you know, point. You know, and you clean. Yeah. Sorry. You'll you'll have to uh, excuse me for for some reason. I thought you were talking about the Jets for a second. I think I zoned out there. But I mean, the first thing I, I want to make clear is when we even when we talk about taking a receiver in the first round, that's with the assumption that we've we've brought someone on through free agency. I think it would be mm-hmm. a great disappointment if we went through this free agent process and didn't bring in a Greg Jennings or a, a Mike Wallace. I think those are the top two. I'm not really interested in, in Dwayne Bowe. I know some people on the site are. Me, not so much. But I, I would be very disappointed if we went through this this entire pre-draft process and didn't come out with, with – I think Greg Jennings is very likely. Uh, I think – I don't know. a lot. I know, I know Duke – thinks Wallace is really likely. I don't mean to speak for him. But I know he thinks it's likely. I know a lot of other people feel the same way. I'd be fine. I know he doesn't really fit um, a lot of the things we do on offense, but there's the old adage that sometimes you just take great players and you make them fit. And I think that would be the sort of Wallace role there. I mean, he's not a, a mind-blowing route runner, 
but I mean, you, you find a way to make him work. So when we talk about wide receiver, we're not overlooking that, and we that's not with the assumption that we're we're no, going. No, no, I understand that. I wasn't yeah. saying I that at all. And I think it makes sense to bring in a guy like, say, Jennings, who is, you know, on the tail end of his career. And then you go out and he drafts one of these receivers, like, say, Patterson or Hopkins or this guy who, you know, you can understand that you don't have to rely on him right now to be a number one guy. And when we brought in Ted Ginn, you know, he was expected to be the guy immediately. So let's say we take a guy at 12 at the wide receiver position. We can can kind of – we can play him as needed. Let him contribute, but not rely on him to be a you know a primary target at this point. And then in three years, when Jake, when Greg Jennings is winding down, this guy's ready to step up. So that's kind of my philosophy. The more I think about it, the more I think Jennings to Miami is a virtual lock. I mean, you can take it to the bank. It just makes so much sense. It's not even funny. And I think it's I think the day that free agency hits that Stephen Ross is going to be in Green Bay with a helicopter flying him down here. Yeah. So, and and then the, the thing that we we were kind of discussing before Jason Scott came on was, uh, so suppose we trade trade back to like a late for if we add a second round pick now, with at late one that you have, uh, currently, you could you can take a cornerback, you can take like an Xavier Rose, or if you, if you want to maybe uh, get a little bit exotic and try like a Jonathan Banks or something, or maybe. You could even take a guy like a backer, take like a big name tight end, uh, if you if you're not interested in, in looking for one on day two, you could maybe try to nail that down like an Eifert or an Erg. So I mean, uh, or, or even your boy Ogletree. We have a lot of options. That's I think Ogletree is going to go way high. I I would not be surprised to see Ogletree go top ten before this. Uh, by the time that this, this whole drafting is solidified in late April, I think Ogletree is going to destroy the whole combine process. So, and if people are going to see, I mean, like, and you want to talk about impact players? That guy was an impact player. He was a game changer. Georgia's Georgia's defense wouldn't have been half as potent as it was this season without him. And when even when it wasn't good, he was the one who stepped up. And I keep bringing up that that SEC championship against Alabama. He was the guy in that game. I mean, Jones Jones was able to register a couple of sacks, but Jenkins, their nose tackle, wasn't playing well. Their safeties were really late diagnosing everything. They, I mean, they were struggling. Find some playmakers, whether that's through the draft or free agency. So if we went out and got Jennings and Wallace and then picked up a safety like Tracy Porter or something, or a corner, I'm sorry, say we did that. Then we go into the draft and we take a guard at 12 or trade down and take a guard. I don't think fans will be that disappointed simply because we did something before that. If we went out in free agency and just picked up a couple of these, you know, bargain basement kind of guys that Ireland typically does, and then we go into the draft and do that, I think it's going to be mayhem. So, I, you know, it just depends on the entire situation there. But, you know, I think fans would not be as opposed to taking a, an offensive lineman if we've done something else prior to that. Yeah, I think yeah. apart from the receiver position, that's – Obviously a big need. Everything else, we got a little bit of flexibility. I mean, cornerback, you could say we have, we need some depth. But honestly, we weren't getting beat deep a whole lot this past year. Not to the point where we say we have to spend a first-round pick on a cornerback or a second-round pick on a cornerback. As long as we have a little bit of depth, I mean, we can pick somebody up in free agency. 
we could go, you know, second, third round in the draft and be okay. And, you know, just to get some guys in there that can compete for the job, I think would be okay. I think pass rush, we've got to improve a little bit. Um, but that could be improved next year just by Olivier Vernon developing, you know, if you think about it. And, and really, you know, there's a lot of different ways we could go to address that issue. And, I mean, I heard that we we had, like, uh, 41 sacks, which was six in the league for the team. But a lot of those were weight, you know, so if we give them a little bit of help, you know, even, you know, I think the biggest thing we need to do, we need to move uh, Audric inside and find a defensive end. I think that changes a lot of things for us once we finally give up on him as a defensive end because he's not. He's a high-motor, quick defensive tackle, and that's it. He's not a defensive end. He's yeah, not going like to be a game changer. And I think that, uh, you know, I think that, this offseason, the reason it's so key for this team is we can finally, you know, it looks like we've got our franchise quarterback. We can approach free agency and the draft by going out and getting what we want. I mean, a lot of fans get upset about, you know, last year not having a big free agency period. But we didn't have a lot of a lot of room to move with our cap space. This year we do. So I think we can go out there and I think we can just, you know, we can give what, some pieces we need in free agency. And then we go into the draft that we can take. You know, I think Keith and I have discussed this before. Is that we can take we can take the best player available, whether that's a pass rusher, whether it's an inside linebacker, whether it's a safety, you know, whatever is available to us, we can sit there and say, you know what, I have filled some other needs. Yeah, we have some other needs, and we can upgrade. And we can upgrade the tight end position. But you know, if you're sitting there and you think, man, that you know, Vaccaro is sitting there at twelve, and I really want to upgrade my safety position. Yeah, and I could get a tight end, but I'm gonna take that guy. We can do that. We don't have to worry about feeling a specific, you know, specific need on the team as long as we do well in free agency. I think that's the big key. You don't want to, you know, with this kind of cap space, you don't want to enter the draft with some major some major holes to fill on the team, you know. I mean, you're still going to have that, but you want to take care of, you know, some of that in free agency to the point where you can have some draft flexibility, where you can say, you know what, Ogletree's sitting there at 12, Danby's, you know, 31 or 32 years old, I'm taking him. You know, he's going to be my, my, you know, Zach Thomas for the future. And you've got the flexibility there, whereas if you don't do well on free agency, you're thinking, well, that guy's there and I really want him, but I need to have a receiver. And, you know, you you kind of start messing with your draft board a little bit. So, yeah, free agency is going to be key to all this. I think one thing to keep in I mind is, and the thing we keep talking about is, there's a lot of value-based talent that will be available on day two, especially in the receiver core. Some of my favorite receivers in this draft I would classify as solid day two picks, guys like Stedden Bailey um, and that entire lot. I like Stedden Bailey a lot, and he's a, he's a day two pick. I think that's like a late one. So and some of these pass rushers, like an Okafor, Okafor is probably like an early day two guy. So it, when we trade down, make it easier to get after that talent and by adding around another second-round pick. And then I think this offense wants to create mismatch. That's why I brought up, like, an hyper or an hurt. I mean, that's immediate mismatch, especially in the red zone. And, I mean, like Jason Scott mentioned, you're doing Tannehill a favor by bringing in guys who can contribute immediately, not these developmental guys. You're putting people who are going to do things for you 
uh, day one they step out on the field. Yeah. Um, I think I want to talk about – sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say one thing we – we're always talking about we want playmakers, we want playmakers. Well, if you get an offensive guard – you get a guard to stick in between Pouncey and either Jake Long or Josh – not Josh, Jonathan Martin, um, like a a Womack, and then, I mean – you're giving Reggie Bush five yards, just free five yards, because they're going to clear everything out in front of them. And then, you know, you give him a running start like that, and you have an explosive offense right there. All Tannehill's got to do is turn around and hand the ball off. And when you talk about doing that, that makes an offense dangerous quick. Because then that opens up play action and everything else. It does, but I think what you're going to see, and it's going to be what fans are going to complain about, is the fact that it's not a sexy pick. Taking a guard is not sexy. And, I mean, that's just what it all comes down to at this point. Of course not. Fans, fans need something to latch on to about this team. And the fact that for a decade we've been building and we've never gone anywhere other than 11-5, and five, you're, you're going to see fans have to have that sexy pick or they're never going to believe in this team. This team could absolutely 100% build the number one offensive line in the game, start running behind it, and fans are still going to complain because there's not a sexy name on that line. And you don't win games with a left tackle. even though Right, I realize that. I, I know you do, I'm just saying, but you do win games with a left tackle. He may not touch the ball, but if he's out there clearing the way for the guy that is touching the ball, he's having an impact on the game. And, and you have those, yeah, you have those guys leaning on the defense all game long. And a guy like that goes down and hits a, a premier safety once or twice, and it changes the game. And uh, it, what happened is uh, very unfortunate that we took Jake Long, who is absolutely a franchise left tackle. But we took him and then tried to develop a power running game that doesn't work in the NFL anymore. Bill Parcells and Tony Sperano tried to build up this great running attack. We used draft picks on Chad Henney and um, Pat White. Both of them oh, boy. And that's where the failure came in. You, if you, Jake Long could have been an absolutely awesome piece to a championship easily. But when yeah. you took Chad Henney, who failed, and then the Bill Parcells, Tony Sperano pick of uh, Pat White, and I, I understand Ireland is the same GM. I got it. But Pat White was a Bill Parcells pick, just like right. not taking um, – Chad Henney was a Bill Parcells pick. New Orleans tight end. Jimmy Graham. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Graham. Jimmy Graham. Not, not taking Graham was a Bill Parcells decision because he thought he could wait one more round. Even though he has come out and said, Jeff Ireland told me, take him. And I said, no, we can wait one more round. And I was wrong. People still blame that on Jeff Ireland. So, I mean, right. to, to some degree, and look, we, we had that poll in um, the fan post that was put up on the uh, in the cover, which was our first time putting a fan post in the cover. Um, just for the record, because uh, 
it's a new option that we have. We haven't been able to do that before. So the fact that we could and uh, Bahama Dolphin put up a really good perception of Jeff Ireland's post. Um, yeah. I, I found it interesting that 33% in the vote said that Jeff Ireland was a failure. 40% said that he was a success. And then the rest fell in the middle. And I thought it was – if I just – if you asked me, I thought it was going to be like 25% failure, 25% um, uh, success, and 50% right in the middle. Because I, I I understand people who say that you you look over his entire time with the team, but I also look at it like you have to take into account that Bill Parcells has come out and said he would overrule him, and so I I can't I can't say anything that he did anything the Dolphins did in those first three years were anything that Jeff Ireland did. Could he have been it? Yeah. Absolutely. And you could 100% say it was. I, I understand that. But And then people come back with the, well, then he was just stealing money. Well, you know what? Good for him. I, how, well, can you fault the guy? Yeah. What's the vice president do? The vice president's just stealing money then. I mean, the president makes the decision, right? So what does the vice president do? Exactly. Yeah. So anyway. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to – I was going to bring up on that, too, when I brought this up in the post, that post that you guys, the Bahama Dolphin post. Yeah. I mean, we want to lambast uh, Ireland for all these picks. Our our problems with draft picks didn't start in 2008. They started no. in, like, yeah. late You're 80s. You're absolutely right. Yep. Um, we, for the past almost 10 years, we've traded around, traded it out, of our second-round picks, we've traded out a third-round, sixth-round, all these picks for quarterbacks that were just complete failures. Some of them we traded next year's pick, and by the time the other team actually picked that pick, we'd already realized that we screwed up and traded them for something else or yep. dumped the guy. Um, that was bad. We, By the time Ireland got there, there was nothing for us to work with. Now, granted, I've heard a lot of people say, well, the the 49ers were a bad team, and this team was a bad team, and that team was a bad team. The 49ers were bad, but they had guys like Patrick, Patrick Willis, Frank Gore, um, whereas we had we had people like J- Jason Allen and, you know, uh, Ronnie Brown. I would much rather have Patrick Willis or Frank Gore than either of those guys. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what we had to work with. And, um, yeah. you know... We had zero talent. We were not only a bad team, we were an old team, you know, because the only players that we had that were really any good that they had to work with were from the Jimmy Johnson era, um, Jason Taylor and, and Zach Thomas, and they were about to retire. You know, we had a couple pieces, but honestly, he's had to turn over the whole roster. You know, and we want to say, oh, well, we should have done – we should already be – in the playoffs by now, that kind of stuff doesn't happen when we're as bad as we were. Yep. You know, it takes a little bit of time to build picks. I I went over our picks, you know. First round in 2008, we got Jake Long, pro bowler. Um, 2009 draft, um, I can't think about who we got, but I know we – didn't we come out with Cameron Wake at some point in free agency? Another yes. pro bowler. Nine, 2009 was Vontae Davis. Vontae Davis. 
Right. Vontae Davis. I mean, I, I can't fault him for picking Vontae Davis. Vontae Davis is crazy talented. We need to take those kind of chances on people. And you know what? Sometimes we're going to break a few eggs. But I can't fault the guy for taking a guy like Vontae Davis, even if we only get a second-round pick. And honestly, I can't believe that they actually give us a second-round pick for him. Um, yep. Because the guy's, the guy's a bonehead still. And he's yeah. hugely talented, but he's never going to be that guy. And I want, I want to touch on what you're talking about there because you've made a good point. And uh, we've mentioned this before, and it's been posted before, but it kind of gets lost sometimes. That until 2008, Miami Dolphins have never really tried to rebuild. They tried to this this terrible philosophy of we have to win right now. Yeah. So they trade for guys, and they try to get these people so they can win right now. They've never had a moment until 2008 where they said, you know what? Let's stop with this mess. Start at the beginning and build this team up. Unfortunately, we picked the wrong quarterback. Yep. If Chad Henney had not been a bust, we wouldn't be talking about it. And I think that's kind of what fans are upset with. Is for years and years and years, it's been this mediocrity, mediocrity. But the Dolphins have said that. Look, I challenge any Dolphin fan, go on Wikipedia and look from about 95 to 96, just look at every draft from that point on and try to do it without a bottle of Maalox. It's just not going to happen. I mean, you look and you just see all those Awful. people, and you're like, oh, my gosh, Awful. I can't believe we just – I mean, I listen, the only one I could find that was remotely decent was Jeremiah Bell. I mean, we just had these bad and drafts. it took him a pick. long time to be productive. We spent a lot of yeah. years of, of investing in him to get what we got from him. Yeah. And there I mean, were a lot of years he was on injured reserve and – yeah, yeah, sorry. And people want to pass Brian Hartline to say, well, he's not a number one receiver. But look, I mean, look at what look at what we've got out of him. I mean, he's a I mean, fourth round what pick. You, what, the what do you want? Yeah, I mean, yeah, look at what the Dolphins had in all those years of all the crap that they've got. You know, the Derek Hagans, all these terrible players. And we're complaining about a guy who's got 70 passes and 1,000 yards. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, it's the fans just want to win right now, and they sat through. They think that we've been rebuilding for all this long time, and we really have. We've only been rebuilding since 2008, and that failed with Chad Henney and Sperano and all that. So, and we said it before, it all hinges on Ryan Tannehill. If he becomes a franchise quarterback, we'll be in good shape. And, you know, it's just fans fans need to understand that teams like the Eagles and, you know, the Cowboys and all these teams that try to win for right now, we have to win this season. You know, like the Jets. Look at the look at the mess Jets are in because they had to win right now. They built their team to win the past couple of years and they failed, and now they're in in a such a position that they can't even get a team that want to you know want to sign up for their team. So, I mean, you know, we're in a position where we're doing it the right way, and if Tannehill is not a franchise quarterback, we're starting over again, and we can't really do anything about that. But right. you know, this idea of winning now, trading away picks to get that one guy, you know, it, it's just a mess. And you hit on that, and, and, you know, it's just, you look back at the Dolphins' past, just how bad we were. Like I said, you know, we were just completely devoid of talent. And I think that Island has brought in some good players, and I think uh, as a lot of people talk about Joe Field, and he has probably, he probably milked every last ounce of talent off of this team and got production out of it. I mean, you yeah. take this team that we have this season – and you put Tony Sperano at head coach, and we're two wins. 
screaming and stuff. Right, exactly. I mean, that's another you. thing, too, about developing players. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, um, we want to we wanna blast Ireland for these picks, too. Um, you know, but we give, we give Chad Henney. Chad Henney comes into the league as a college quarterback. And the jump from college quarterback to NFL quarterback is like going from elementary school to college. And you throw, because that's, I mean, that's the level in, that's the difference in um, complexity. And you throw him in there with Tony Sperano teaching him the NFL game. He gave him no shot. No shot. Now, granted, he may or may not have done better with somebody like Philbin or, you know, whoever, but he had no friggin' shot to be a quarterback with uh, Tony Sperano teaching him anything. And, you know, people want to say, oh, well, they're, they're – um, they're professional coaches and whatever, but Tony Sperano was not qualified for that position. He was not the guy. Um, so part yeah, of that has got to be blamed on him. Yeah, and, and, not and Keith has mentioned this before. Draft. And Keith has mentioned this before, you know, about how, you know, this year, the upcoming season seems to be like one of those where Ken Hill's going to have this massive breakout season and people are going to be like, where did he come from? And I think, you know, mm-hmm. people also say, well, Russell Wilson and RG3 and all those, and, and Tim Hill kind of gets overlooked. But I think the issue there is, you know, Philbin got Long every term. bit of – Yeah, I mean, Philbin got every bit he could from this team. When we actually add some playmakers on offense, when we get a Jennings or get a guy in the draft, or we get some people, and all of a sudden those, those times when Tim Hill drops back and he's forcing throws, this past season, now he's got a guy that's wide open, and we're like, oh, wow. This guy is actually yeah, really good. Yeah, when people are finally running wide open, like they are on every other team in the league that I see, it's going to be a whole different ball game. But um, I mean, I, on the I, draft the first. I was going to say before we say that, I was gonna, yeah. the, the first the first pass ten he'll throw is probably overthrown simply because he'll be so excited that the guy is that wide open he won't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, but I was I was I was going back to the drafting um, when. When Ireland got here, there were three players. There's three players on the team that when I that were here when Ireland got here: Paul Solei, Brandon Fields, and uh, John Denny. Now, granted, apparently all three of those are Pro Bowlers or at least Pro Bowl alternates. But honestly, um, you know, not a lot of talent when two of the three guys that are on your team are special teamers. Um, but. So, in other words, Ireland has brought in 50 guys in five years. Now, how many dra- how many picks do we get in the draft? Maybe seven, seven to ten. So, we're talking about 35 guys that he's picked to fill the team with in five years. And that's assuming that every single one is a hit, and we know some of them weren't. Um, but that's why it takes a little longer than five years to rebuild everyone. Right, you know. I mean, I think that there are a plenty of haters on the board still, but uh, I think a lot of other people know it too. Uh, that there's a lot of there's a lot with this team over the next few years. But like you said when you first got on the show, now it's about getting media talent around that guy. 
So instead of uh, holding back his progress, you can allow him to, for lack of a better term, fully blossom uh, under the new offense. So a new offense to us, not new to him. So and that's why, I mean, trading back's okay. Because then, I mean, go ahead and bring in maybe like the best defender, and then in the second round you're adding like Earth. Uh, I don't think I will be there. Earth and I'm there. Either. But you're adding, you're adding receivers and uh, like a, a Bailey. Um, you're just, I mean, you're bringing in guys to to match with the people you brought in via free agency, and I think you're gonna be, you're gonna see Miami become a much more popular spot now that um, Philbin and, and Tannehill uh, have more. And uh, I mean, this is going to be a, a defining draft for many reasons. But I, I have confidence that we're going to play it well. And um, getting back to your your draft year thing, it's sad to really consider the fact that the last great draft we had was probably 1997, when we got Sam in the second round and Jason Taylor in the third round. You know, yeah. and if if you still Green had burst out that year, that be that would be looked at as arguably our best draft of all time. You know, because I mean. You, Got two guys who are who are Dolphin Hall of Famers, or will be. I'm not sure about Asian, but and then uh, you got Sertan in the second round the next year. Even though '98, I mean, I think we got Don Avery in the first round, and that was a uh, plus six. But um, and then before that, I mean, we had decent drafts, but '90 was the draft where we really got our heads out of our ass, and we were like, you know what? We have a franchise quarterback in Dan Marino. We might have some protection, and we got him. Richmond Webb and Keith Sims in consecutive rounds that year. But I mean, the issue with this team is, I mean, that's not... I mean, you look at Green Bay, and Green Bay consistently has good drafts. You look at uh, San Francisco, and San Francisco starts to put together these consistent drafts. Our problem is, like, we get a good one. Or, and, and this isn't really... I'm not so much speaking to Ireland as I am to the other regimes we've had. But we'll have one decent, decent go-around here, and then we come back to it, and it's just... It, it's flop. It's not and we're unwise with our picks. So I'd like to see how I mean, we could look at this draft in a few years. And I mean, this is a lot of the picks we made are indicative of where this team is going under Philbin. We we want intelligent, uh, technically sound offensive linemen. We can go with Martin, who I mean needs to improve his strength. But you like the core that's there. You really like the skill yeah. set. And I mean, he might not be a Pro Bowler. But he could be a Jermon Bushrod, or uh, even when Jermon Bushrod got started in uh, in New Orleans and nobody knew that guy's name. And it was more the fact that you can put him out there and you don't have to worry about your quarterback. He's not going to pull in all right. the accolades, whatever. Uh, and you're seeing, uh, I think I think Vernon's going to end up being a pretty, uh, uh, could be a really good player. Uh, he really surprised me. I, I figured he was the one who was going to have the hardest time to develop. Uh, developing, and it seemed like at times like he was just, like, he really turned it on. So, but I mean, this is, so we're going to see more of, of us going in that, that Philbin-led direction here, and, that, and that's exciting for me. Yeah, hey, I, I pointed out, sorry. No, go on. I was just going to point out, too, Um, I, I looked at the drafts that we've had. We've had really four, he's had five drafts, but really, we can't really count 2012 because there's not hasn't been enough time. Um, but 2008, we got we came out with um, Jake Long. 2009, we didn't get anyone in the draft, but we did come out with uh, Cameron Wake in free agency. 2010 was Rashad Jones, 
and 2011 was Mike Pouncey. That's four Pro Bowlers. Well, I think that 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 he should have been Pro Bowlers. Um, you know, and obviously Dick Long not this year, but I'm saying you know we've got guys that are solid enough. If we keep doing that, like if we had just one Pro Bowler a year, you know, guys, you know, I look at other teams like the Patriots. You know, they drafted Brady in what 2000 and Will Fork in what 2004, and he's been on the team. They've both been on the team since then. And when we get, you know, guys that we've drafted, you know, that have been around for that long, you know, it's gonna it's gonna make a difference. And don't forget, in 2009, so, we got the only the eighth receiver in Dolphins history to, to surpass a thousand yards in the 09 draft. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Sucks. Don't worry. Yeah. Burner. I'm sorry. Oh. I, I think he sucks, right? That's what everyone says. Yeah, I mean, he's a pro ball. Right, opener. exactly. Hey, Jason, I want to say no, thanks. I'm, just, I'm being sarcastic, sorry. <laughs> thanks for calling in. I'm going to go ahead and turn the subject over to Teo now. So thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Night. Let the, let the fun begin. Right. Okay, before we do get to Teo, I did want to point out one thing um, that uh, Duke, you brought up. It's it, it's the concept of winning now versus rebuilding. At what point did this team ever go into a rebuilding mode? After Marino, you had Damon Hewitt, Jay Fiedler, not rebuilding with those who we were trying to win with Fiedler. A.J. Feely was the trade to try to win with A.J. Feely. We brought in Gus Farratt to win now. We brought in Dante Culpepper and Joey Harrington in the 2006 season to try to win now. We brought in Trent Green to try to win now. Chad Pennington was a try-to-win-now mode. Chad Henney was the one shot at drafting a quarterback in there, besides John Beck, who never really won because we had Trent Green. Um or never really played because we had Trent Green. Chad Henney was the move to try to build around a quarterback, and it failed. And now we have Ryan Tannehill. So, I mean, really, even just looking at the quarterbacks, it tells you right there, we never rebuilt. We've always been trying to put Band-Aids on it. And now we've reached the point where a Band-Aid's not fixing a broken arm. And we have to gut everything and start over. And that's where we are right now. And it sucks. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's fun. I'm not saying I like it. But that's where we are right now. But, okay, the topic is something wrong. No, yeah. on, what? You look at – you just you just mentioned all the, the gaps that we've made over the last 10 years or so, or we'll even say since Marino retired, so 13 years. Um, <laughs> it's just – it's painful to look at – I mean, think of all the – Wanstead. Uh, yep. I think Spielman was the one who negotiated the deal for uh, Ricky Williams, and then there was that escalator in that deal where yep. if you ran for a certain amount of yards, that's how they got our additional first-round pick because I think he had like 1,800 yards that season. Yeah, he led the league. Uh, yep. it, it, it's just like one nut punch after another. Yeah. And, and you think like, what? I mean, we, we went from being one of the NFL's great franchises, like a story t- tradition to just being like a, a flat out punchline. Yeah. Because I, think, know, I like, think, 
I think Duke is dead on right there. We never tried to rebuild. We just always tried to patch it. And at some point after Marino, somebody needed to come in and just say, you know what, we're starting over. And I think to a degree, Parcells, Sperano, and Ireland came in with that mentality. But they picked the wrong quarterback, and Parcells' mentality doesn't work in the NFL today. That's why the only team that's been sniffing around him at all has been the New York Jets. So, well, go what on. you just said, uh, the problem with the whole Parcells thing is the ego yeah. going in there, saying, you know, piss on, piss on all these 2008 first-round quarterbacks. I'm going to go get this this clown out of Michigan. I'm going to get Chad Henney. I know stuff. I know things that other people don't know. It turns out he didn't. You know, all he did was bring in a guy who really struggled to get it together on a team that struggled to get it together. So, I mean, the whole Jimmy Graham thing is another thing. What In the third round, if you like a, a, a guy, if you like a tight end like that, what are you waiting for? Yeah. All you're doing is massaging your ego. You're waiting another round to get him. So, so what, they can trade around and say, look, what I got a, a round later. Who cares? Yep. At that point, you get him in the third round, especially because you, you consider we took John Jerry in the third round. Yeah. And, I mean, and the value, or, I mean, you, the comparison between the two is non-existent. So that that's the problem, and that's what I really like about the whole Philbin thing. I, the only person who's ever tried to say that Philbin has an ego is that moron Skip Bayless. Everyone else I've talked to says that, or everyone else I've, I've read. <laughs> You've talked yeah, to Skip talked Bayless? To, I just, no, no, no. Yeah, right, please. <laughs> I, I'm afraid that he would rub off on me and give me some kind of disease or something. But no, it, it's that Philbin doesn't have that sort of ego or that attitude. It's very workmanlike. It's scientific. He listens to people. There's a lot of interaction. It's very much like all that stuff that you see in in the clubhouse for us right now. He's all into developing players. He's in, right. He looks at it almost like Sherman looks at it, like they're educators. You know, they're bringing these guys along. They're developing them. That's why they like the rock quarterback out of Texas A&M, because they could develop him. They could work with him. They can mold him into what they want. Yep. So I like that. And I okay. believe it was uh, – oh, I was going to say, I believe it was um, Dan Fouts in one of the broadcasts said that he was talking with Philbin and said he, he reminded him uh, that he he said he thought Joe Philbin was very similar to a Bill Walsh. Uh, and I think that's kind of interesting because I believe it was Bill Walsh who said or had the philosophy of, you know, if you like a guy in the draft, take him. It doesn't matter where you take him if you think he's going to be a good player, whether it's the first round or the seventh round. So I may be off on that. I'm not entirely sure, but I believe that was the philosophy. And I think that's kind of what we have now. You know, where you're talking about Bill Parcells, well, I'm going to wait until the fourth round and get this guy. I think Jeff Field would be like, I like this guy. I'm going to take him in the third round. Yeah. You know, so I think if Jeff Field had been here in 2010, we'd have Jimmy Graham instead of John Jerry. Probably. Maybe we had Earl Thomas instead of Sharon Odrick. I don't know. Maybe we have Drew Brees instead of Dante Culpepper. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, just I'm just maybe we don't have Ricky sorry. Williams. We have Antoine Bolden instead of Eddie Moore. <laughs> okay, so to the fun of today, and I know this isn't fun for Manti Teo, but it's madness that is slowly coming out, and nobody's really sure what's going to end up happening with this. If you guys don't know, Deadspin put out a story today. And Notre Dame and Teo have both come out and 
confirmed it's absolutely 100% uh, 100% accurate, I guess. To Well, not 100% accurate, but it is what is going on. Earlier this season, everybody remembers Manti Teo had his grandmother die and his girlfriend die within six hours, I think, of each other is what it came down to. His girlfriend had been battling leukemia. Um, he was on the sidelines crying during the game because his girlfriend told him that she'd rather he play the game than uh, go to her funeral. Um, he was beaten down. He tweeted out there was a picture of two uh, beams of light coming down into the stadium with right onto Teow. And he tweeted out that picture that it was his two guardian angels looking down on him. It was all very moving. It all started the sympathetic love of Notre Dame this year. And it brought Teow into the public eye. Turns out that the girlfriend never existed. She was completely somebody's imagination. And Teo has said that, yes, their entire relationship was online. Apparently, there were some phone calls, but what they're deeming now was that it was somebody acting like the girlfriend. Um, the, dead pin, the dead spin story kind of made it seem like Teo was in on the um, whole hoax and that it was all made up by Teo and his friend. Teo and Notre Dame have come out and said that it wasn't that. It was... Teo was sucked into a um, hoax, and it was basically this woman never existed. Some people wanted to get in close with Teo for some reason and used a fake girlfriend to do it and then killed her off. And supposedly there were – I guess at some point his dad came out and said that they had all met together in Hawaii – and now Notre Dame and Teo says that never happened, that they were supposed to all go on a couple trips to either Hawaii or meet other places, and the girlfriend always had an excuse as to why she couldn't make it. So it just the, – the more stories and the more reports that come out, the weirder and weirder this story gets. But I just – I don't know. It's just – SB Nation's headline, their uh, headline on their story – on their site is the strangest story of 2013 already. And it's probably true. This is probably going to be the weirdest story of the year. And it happened 16 days into January. So do you guys, do you guys see any way that this impacts Tao's draft stock? And if so, where do you think he ends up? Uh, I knew that question was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I'll field this one first. I think that uh, I always want to try to see the best in people. But the fact that you had family members saying they had met, met her and went on vacations and everything makes me not have, uh, or I, I have my suspicions. Uh, I hope that he was just duped. But, I mean, the thing is, then why, did, why are we... Why are we, the public, getting dragged into the death of your internet girlfriend? And I don't mean to, to say that in a crass or yeah. rude way, but that, that seems rather disingenuous, in my opinion, to go ahead and base this entire football season on someone you've never met. I don't understand that. Uh, I don't. 
I think that his interviews will be really strong. Uh, I don't know if this could be any more damaging than how he played during the national championship game. That sounds terrible to say, but I think he really like. I don't. He won't be the first uh, inside linebacker drafted, in my opinion. I think Ogletree will go away before he does. I'd say that Teo falls no further than mm, Chicago at number twenty. Duke, you have any thoughts? Um, well, while you were telling that story, I thought to myself, well, Bill Clinton told everybody he didn't have sex with that woman, and people still like him. So, um, Remember, so it was all about the definition of the word is. Yeah. I, um, I don't um, know what that was about. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, this, this may hurt it, but I, I think Jesus was right about, you know, getting exposed at Alabama. Uh, would hurt more of his draft stock than this because, I mean, there's, I mean, Andre Smith a couple years ago showed up at the combine, left without telling anybody, and had the most, one of the most disgusting pro day videos to ever come out. Uh, he, he went six overall. So, um, oh my, yeah, just forgot about that. Bumbles down. And, uh, so, I mean, I, I think I mentioned this the other night on the uh, Google Hangout. I believe. He would be a great fit as a 3-4 inside linebacker where he doesn't have to worry necessarily about as much coverage as he would be in a 4-3 where he can just be a downhill player um, and just make a bunch of tackles in the box. And I think he makes it no farther than Pittsburgh. I think he's going to go there. They need inside linebacker help. Um, They've already got Timmons, so they can use him. and, and, And they always seem to be able to find good linebackers, so I think that's a good fit for him. I think he would mask some of his deficiencies, um, and so that's where I see him. I, don't, I mean, I don't think this is going to necessarily hurt his trash stock any more than other people's done stuff. I mean, it wasn't like – I mean, just a, a story and kind of a scam thing. I mean, if he had gone out and got arrested or, you know – Done something like that. That first draft, like I don't know that this necessarily makes make character concerns. So, you know, I think that's what people look for: character concerns. You know, as long as he's not out there drinking and driving and stuff, he's all right. I think the only way that this really hurts him is if it comes out that he, in some way, was involved in the hoax. Yeah, that he if if he played it up simply to get the sympathy then it'll hurt him. But I think in the end, I mean, the only real character concerns you can get out of this is maybe he's too trusting. And if you have somebody who's too trusting, granted, when they suddenly become millionaires, it's going to become an issue, but it's not a bad thing to be a trusting person. And like Keith just said, you try to find the good in everybody. You try to see the good in everybody. And I think he's a good kid who got caught up in this weird, weird story. And apparently it just came out that um, Nev Shulman, who, if you guys have ever seen the documentary film Catfish and now the MTV TV show Catfish, which is about this exact situation, a online romance buds up, and then it turns out that the girl is fake. Um, He put out that He's working on, he just tweeted, I'm working on finding out more about this at MTO5 catfish story. I have been in contact with the woman involved and will get to the truth. 
So apparently he's doing investigative reporting to figure out what exactly is going on here. Oh, but, now I can sleep at night. Yes, I EBR and catfish right now. Um, here's my question. Why does Manny Teo have an internet girlfriend? I, I will say I heard this. <laughs> I heard this on ESPN as I was coming in. I can't remember who they said tweeted it out, but somebody pointed out or said, I won't say pointed out, but said um, that uh, we all should have been suspicious when they said he had a hot girlfriend from Stanford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just That's me, true. but it was funny. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I get it. I, I've seen their, I've seen their uh, student body before. Uh, but I mean, the thing—you're anti-Teo. That's, that's the thing. James and I talked about this earlier, and it's like that's the. I think the thing I find most disturbing this whole ordeal is the fact that uh, at the time the number one linebacker in college football. Has a has an internet girlfriend. He's like Kevin from Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Ridiculous. Just weird. Oh man, I'm still having flashbacks about freaking <laughs> Andre Smith's pro day. Um, <laughs> we, have, we should go. Um, we should go find the because there's audio of that. There's people at that pro day and hear him. He's like Andre Smith getting ready to participate in his pro day. He's taking his shirt off. <laughs> and then there's just like this gasp from the crowd. <laughs> if you um, do a if you do a search for Andre Smith, don't even put Pro Day in there. Just Andre Smith on Google. The first picture that comes up in images is him running without a shirt on. There it is. <laughs> and again, he felt. I mean, he was he was in talks to be like a top three pick that year, and then of course Cincinnati couldn't. That was when Cincinnati was really into acquiring uh, people with uh, character issues. Because oh, people forget that he was suspended from, uh, I believe he was suspended from Alabama's bowl game that year, which would have been the Sugar Bowl against uh, Sean Smith in Utah. And, I mean, obviously Alabama lost that game. But I think that he was ruled ineligible because uh, I think he had been already talking to an agent. So, yeah, it's neither here nor there. But, I mean, the whole, the whole table thing, I mean, he's not going to play for us, so I don't really care. Which sounds weird. It sounds a little bit esoteric to say, well, you know, whatever. But I mean, the whole thing is just weird. I hope he wasn't in on it. I'm really disturbed by the fact that the number one linebacker in college football had an internet girlfriend. No, that's just upsetting to me. I'm sorry. I, I'm 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 getting ready to post the link to the YouTube video. Don't do it. Don't make people watch that. <laughs> and it's in the live right now. Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah, it's a nine-minute, twenty-second video because it's all kinds of other people. But at the about the where was it? Minute thirty? Minute no? A bit further? Where is it? You just have to hear him gasp. All the people <laughs> when he takes his shirt off, they're all like, "God!" About two, two and a half minutes in. <laughs> when he's up there ready to take his shirt off. It's like the music from 2001 when the apes discover the monolith. <laughs> and then they go up and like they acquire knowledge and it's like when he takes it off all those people are just horrified. <laughs> uh, good times, good times. <laughs> yeah, thanks for posting that. You really saved the day with that one. Well, you just went all crazy 
robotic sounding, unless that was just me. Might be you. Might be. Yeah. Um, I, I have I have a question. Yeah. I don't. I, I missed the early part of the show, so I don't know if you talked about this, but I, I did catch. I was listening when you were talking about Denard Robinson. And I'm wondering if uh, now that the Eagles have hired Chip Kelly, if he doesn't go for guys like that to run his, you know, that type of offense at the NFL, you, you see something like that happening. I mean, they've already had big. You see him going for a guy like Robinson to make him, you know, his spread option guy. Do you think he keeps Vic? Not about, and I think it's somewhat likely. I, th- I think. I, mean, it, I think. I think it depends on the money with Vic. I'm just wondering. You know, you're talking about Denard Robinson being a wide receiver. Yep. I was wondering, do you see him, do you see a team like Philadelphia and Chip Kelly going for him as a quarterback to run that offense? Uh, he, the same offense he ran in college, or if Chip Kelly's planning on keeping that offense? And I just thought about that when you were mentioning that, so I want to get you guys' thoughts on that. I well, think it kind of makes sense. Um, I think he has to adjust it because. It's the NFL, and while we see what the Patriots do, and it's successful, it's not the pure Oregon offense either. So I, I think there's some tweaking that has to be done there to come in line with a more conventional style offense at the same time. But a guy like Denard Robinson can make a lot of sense there. Um, it'll be interesting. I don't know. That, that's that's a great question. I. I I want to see what he does at his pro day. My question is, how many Oregon players will Chip Kelly try to go after? Yep. He could, very there's, easily. There's all quite a sudden, few of them. All of a sudden, it's just a matter of, okay, who's the next rate, highly rated Oregon player? Because Philadelphia is going to draft him. Yeah. <laughs> you call Alonzo. One of those guys. Kyle Long. People keep talking about uh, left tackle being in need. I wonder if they'll take take Long in, I don't know, maybe second, third round. I don't know, wherever that guy is projected to go. Brother? No comment? Nah. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't a fan of that hire. Say again? I wasn't a big fan of that hire. I, I know when okay. people were mentioning Chip Kelly going to the Dolphins of that year. I was going to ask you, what do you think of uh, McCoy going to San Diego? No, I know there's a lot of San Diego fans. Uh, there are a lot of San Diego fans who are not excited about that guy. Uh, I think that I think a bit over him. Okay, my computer's being crazy. Well, but uh, I think McCoy McCoy's proven that he can he can either uh, play up to a quarterback or with people down the quarterback strength. So I think that he'd end up being the right guy. They need to fix the offensive line out in San Diego. They've got some major problems, especially on the left side of the line. Yep, uh, their defensive line is a tune-up. Uh, they're it's like their receiver core is in a little bit of transition now that this Jack's out of there. Their running game could use a reboot. I mean, you want to think about a team that's probably on the verge of rebuild mode, and they're fortunate they have a quarterback. San Diego would be on that list. 
Doesn't say. Okay. Um, I'm going to rapidly change to another coach to talk about because, well, I can. Um, apparently, there may be possibly a somewhat bidding war, I guess, between the Chiefs and the Cowboys for one Tony Sperano. They could have him. <laughs> both, both, I guess, are looking for him at the offensive line coach position. So I, I, I think it absolutely makes a great move. I think the Chiefs would abs- – I think him going to the Chiefs makes so much sense. I think it lets him come in there, do what he's good at. The offensive line is where he made his name. It's where he is good. He gets to go in there. He gets to work under Andy Reid and learn something – that is not Bill Parcells like. <laughs> it's like a it's like a, a conglomeration of bad clock management coaches. <laughs> uh, that's a technicality. They're all sitting around clueless waiting to see who's gonna call a timeout at the wrong time. <laughs> Everybody's just staring at each other. Who calls the next time out? Anybody? We're good? Okay, let's run this play then. <laughs> Am I the only person who, who's bummed by the fact that it only took the Jets a year to figure out that they needed to get her, to get rid of Tony Sperano? <laughs> I was hoping that there's... Like they were going to keep him... No, 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 let's fix the plan here. Yeah, I mean, a couple years... He he could have gotten it right. I mean, he he could have figured out how to use Tim Tebow. You know, when when the Jets figure it out quicker than we do. <laughs> yeah, but they had they had the four years of us to to get used to it. Yeah. And, okay, I, I don't are you know, sure? But what are you sure the Jets? Them. Are you sure the Jets figured it out in the first place? Since one of the people they interviewed for the offensive coordinator position is Cam Cameron. <laughs> See, Come that, on, did they really figure good, it out? That's a good point because Sperano was a coach in Miami for four years, and then after he got fired, the Jets still wanted him. Yup. <laughs> they played him eight times. Remember that? Eight times they played that guy. Then went, that's our guy. And Sperano often beat them. I don't think Sperano is losing a record against those guys. No. I mean, what does that tell you? Because I know we swept them in 2009. We split with them in, in 10 and 11. So, and we split with them in, in 08, too. Uh, hmm. He He was good against the Jets. He really was. I think it was uh, like the battle of attrition. Yeah. Against the Jets. Who's going to outspeed the other? Apparently, the Jets. Um, the Jets absolutely love. Sorry, I'm talking with stuff in my mouth. I have a match in my mouth. Don't ask why. Um, the Jets absolutely love Dolphins. Ex Dolphins. Because besides Sperano and Cameron, they also either did or were going to 
interview Norv Turner. Um, there was somebody else, too. Another one of our former coaches they were looking at for the offensive coordinator I position. Think, I can't remember who now, though. I think they should just hit for the cycle and hire Dan Henning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Can, can that happen? That would be a power I mean, hire. I mean, if the Jets wanted to, if the Jets wanted to make money, they could hire him, and then sell tickets to everyone else to watch that as a comedy show because that's what it would be. <laughs> how do you how do you lure Dan Henning to your team with promise to to have lunch with him every day, or <laughs> whatever it was? Like the only reason that he took that job was so Parcells and Parcells and he could have lunch. Pathetic. I just got a random tweet that, hello, would we be able to have you on our show in the very near future? This is all going to your head. I don't know who that is. What? Who? I don't know. Somebody wants me on their show, apparently. Um, random things that pop up. Um, I'm trying to see. I think the uh, the guys from over at uh, Gangrene Nation tweeted me who this other former coach was because I was getting on them for going after our former head coaches and they were like no 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 we are also going after North Turner and somebody else <laughs> it's like are you serious <laughs> like get it straight <laughs> we want we want lots of your former coaches <laughs> okay then we want love, all of I love the guys at Gangrene Nation they are so funny <laughs> Because it's like it's like everything blows up around them, and they're just like, "Yep, that's what we expected." I don't know if I've had much of an interaction with those guys, except when I first joined. I think we, because that was right before the uh, the orange out that Monday night game. Yeah, and we we had like this huge like battle going with them. It was funny. It's probably the, probably the hardest I've ever laughed. It we. We all know that uh, James doesn't like Gangrene Nation, but <laughs> oh, isn't he? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have a problem with uh, most of Gangrene Nation. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the big troublemaker over there? Drawing units or whatever? I think it's. I think it's curious that, uh, like, a couple days before Christmas, that a certain somebody over there had a whole rant going on about me for hours. Over something that happened a year ago, but whatever. <laughs> okay, so that conversation's over. Yeah. <laughs> but man, I can't find it. I see everything else. They asked me about Brian Gann Brian Gain because they were interviewing him for their GM job, but I can't see where their tweet to me about who the other coach was. I can't remember who it was. But somebody. Yeah, I don't know. I'm another one of our former coaches. I want to say I want to say it was a quarterback coach or I don't think it was an offensive coordinator. But just random interesting things. Um okay, so what we know so far to summarize our show because hey, we're going to wrap it up and have a good summary at the end of the show mm-hmm. now. 
Um, nobody has a clue who we're going to draft. Probably not even the Dolphins themselves. Um, there are no quarterbacks in the first round of the draft right now worthy of taking, according to several of the big mock drafts out there. Somebody will jump up, but we'll see. Um, everybody seems to be in favor of us trading back and picking up more draft picks. Manti Teo's girlfriend was some fake chick from Stanford. And did I miss anything? The Jets like bring our... Oh, yeah, and the Jets like former... Our, our table scraps. For just a taste of the, the Miami Dolphins coaching See, table scraps. Here's what I here's what I think. I think that they actually really want to be like the Cowboys. So they're coming through us to get the Cowboys scraps. <laughs> <laughs> See? I'm on to something here now. No, you're not. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> We are, are I would say somebody I think it was uh I think it was the guys at Pat's pulpit um emailed we had a AFC East email going around for a little while. And uh the Gangrene Nation guys and I decided that we need to start having a yearly get together of the mediocrity club. Except we can't invite the Pat's pulpit guys because well they're not mediocre. They're not good enough for our club. And we decided that the Bills have to host it because they are the definition of mediocrity. Um, but then uh, we started we started discussing how incestuous the AFC East is for some reason, and uh, it just seems very odd how much. There it is. Who who just posted that? Strange just posted. The Jets are targeting David Lee as Rex Ryan's ne- next quarterback coach. So they are going after a quarterback's coach. They're going after David Lee to bring him God, in. David Lee. I forgot about that guy. <laughs> so, yeah, we're uh, we're apparently handing the Jets some nice stuff. See? See? That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Tony Sperano oh. was supposed to come in there and energize them with the Wildcats. It didn't happen, so they're going to David Lee because he's the guy that brought it from college. If you have you guys ever seen a team toggle between their first and third string quarterbacks and just totally ignore the, the number two? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's it exactly. They completely ignored him. It wasn't like, hey, we want to bring the rookie in or the, the, the third string guy and give him some development time because we think he's going to be a great quarterback in the future, blah, blah, blah. No, it was just like, yeah, we're skipping you. Oh, it was- they treated him like the uh, the gimp and pulled fiction that little yeah. guy they locked in the box. Yep. Oh, oh, you <laughs> like the, the little other two. The, the developmental quarterback got injured. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and skip you again and go back to the original starter. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, go wake up the gimp. Go wake up Tebow. Apparently, <laughs> I can't. He's doing another Haynes commercial. I mean, it's just like, are you serious? No, I think it was the Tebow commercials Tebow was doing. No, oh, whatever. Um, actually, you know, one thing we should probably talk about, we should probably make picks for uh, this weekend's championship games. That might be the only time in the known history of the world or the future to come that Tim Tebow will ever be compared to the Gimp from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, yeah, purely because 
I don't know why I thought of that, and now that I now that I did, I guess I feel a little bit bad. But it was unbelievable. They just like normal, like he wasn't even there. Like, ah, oh, Sanchez sucks. Go go wake up McElroy. What? Oh, I'm sure. What are you talking about? We have a number two. No, McElroy. Sure. What about the camp? He comes out he's in like that harness or whatever that thing was that little like pulley system they had for him. <laughs> oh man, I could talk all day about this. Oh, <laughs> uh, where, where this show ends up, we never know. <laughs> yeah, I like it when it's freeform like this, so it's highly inappropriate, but I love it. <laughs> the greatness of the CKC. Insider Podcast. It is. It is an audio CKC. <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, it is. That's just I've never seen that before. Like number one, turf, go go get up to three. <laughs> yeah, the second string quarterback that you traded for, <laughs> and they just completely ignore him. Well, like you take zero or something. Well, technically, isn't that what happened in Denver last year or two years ago now? I guess because you that. I mean, you and I talked about many times over that that Elk's going to trade him. Yes, we can do it. I mean, I've never seen. Because he's technically, I don't know what his role is there, like GM something. You know, he sells cards in his free time. But Elway, when, um, when Tebow beat Pittsburgh in overtime in that wild card round last year, I've never seen s- such a such a sad puss on a on the GM of the winning team. He was almost like running up the up in the field, like, shit, I had to deal with this guy for a week. <laughs> Um, to, to to completely change it, because I just got this email now, um, Alfie Crow from the uh, Big Cat Country, the Jaguars blog in SB Nation, he's over at, he's over in Tampa at the uh, um, East-West Shrine Game practices this week, and uh, he's emailing out every day which teams are interested or talking to which players. And so far, the Dolphins haven't popped up on here at all. But uh, um, the one that interests me today is the Saints and Giants both talked to Trent Steelman, the wide receiver slash running back slash do-everything guy from Army. That's an interesting one. I watched him play because, I mean, the Army connection, I watch him even though I'm not a West Pointer. So it was – Kind of interesting to see that he's generating some interest, at least. I don't know if he'll get drafted because he'll still owe the Army at least two years before he can play. But interesting. Just a random... I'm still waiting for that. Just have to wait for the note that says the Dolphin to talk to Joseph Boria. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to keep oh, going. Boy. What are what our <laughs> this weekend? Our picks for this weekend? Yeah, we have to make picks, don't we? Yeah. We could do it during the uh, during the Friday show. I don't. I'm not going to be here on Friday to play. What? What? Unless you want to do it tomorrow. Do they know who you are? Well, I am not going to lie. As soon as I saw it on my schedule that I was playing, I was like, oh, no, I can't do the Google Hangout. You know, and I and I unless you want to do it tomorrow, yeah, I'm gonna miss out on because I got a show a couple towns over from here, so <clears throat> so we got to do it now. Uh, okay. Um, 
I'm going to go Ravens and Niners. I'm going to go away team in both. No, I agree. I think that we're going to have to listen to two weeks of Harbaugh bullcrap. Yep. But I'd rather take I'd rather take Harbaugh bullcrap than Patriots bullcrap. Yeah. Well, the nightmare game for me would be the Patriots and Falcons. Like if both home teams yeah. win, then oh, yeah. I'm watching I'm watching the Super Bowl for the commercials, and I'm getting. Drunk. I like, mean, I'd... and is there any way right now that if the Patriots win, is there any way that the Giants can qualify for the Super Bowl? Yeah. That not I don't know. Somehow? I I <laughs> just... just go ahead and say, Eli, you have an automatic place. Go. Well, here's my thinking with all this, because Atlanta really struggled with Russell Wilson running the ball last week, and now you get a guy who's even faster than Russell Wilson, bigger, stronger, and looks like he can throw the ball as well. I just think that Atlanta's getting back to that quarterback that are not favorable for defense. Yeah. And the other thing is if Seattle had even mounted a semblance of rush, Last Sunday, I think they would have won that game. I don't think that's going to be a problem for San Francisco. I think Atlanta's offensive line had their best game of the season last Sunday. I would expect them to return form to this. Smith and Alden Smith and McDonald and um, just the way that the 49ers can come off the edge. I think that's going to be a huge problem for Atlanta. James, you want to do the Google Plus broadcast wearing a Nixon mask? Sure, why not? <laughs> oh, we could dress like the guy from Point Break. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking of. I know that's what you're thinking. Uh, I want to be, uh, I get to be LBJ. <laughs> Again, the random places that we go. <laughs> well, Kevin thinks he runs this place, so he can wear the Reagan mask and be like, crazy. He gets to be the Bodie character. Uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> and then, uh, it's all in the news. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. 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 Oh. Or Anthony Kiedis or no? Oh, oh the whole lawnmower scene <laughs> when you think that Keanu Reeves' head's gonna get chopped off. <laughs> Kevin can dress as Gary Busey. <laughs> I'm just picturing this now. I'm done. <laughs> awesome. Good. The possibilities here are. I love Gary Busey in that movie. It's so funny. <laughs> he's sitting there reading the cartoons in his car when they're on that stakeout. And he's like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, boy. So from now on, every Friday night show, we have to come up with a different movie theme and dress as those characters. Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm saying. I think that's what James is saying. I'm just reiterating it. <laughs> I have no idea. No, just just point, point, point break, break characters. Point break characters. You always send me texts about point break. And I'm always like, well, you're not understanding. Like, I, yes, I enjoy that movie, but it's, it's, it, cause it's, it's, that movie is, 
it's like a punchline for me. It, it's so it's so ridiculously bad that I love it when I watch it. I, I, it's hard to explain. It's hilarious. It's not meant to be a comedy, but it comes out as a comedy. <laughs> well, I'm just it's laughing at the movie the whole time. Roadhouse is, is similarly bad yet amazing. Yeah, and, and when I watch the break, all I can think of the whole time is, I can't believe that Keanu Reeves is such a bad actor that Patrick Swayze is actually out-acting him. It's how bad the movie is. I loved it when they were doing that whole screening process for actors. I like to, to see how they came up with the fact that, you know who, who we need for two leading men in this movie? Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves, the two most versatile actors on the scene right now. Yeah, like... Terrible, but I'm always curious about how she went on to make like brilliant movies like The Hurt Locker and Zero, you know, Zero Dark Thirty. How she came from that to the the other end of the spectrum, it's really confusing. Well, wasn't James Cameron involved in the script writing process for Point Break? Didn't have something to do with that? Probably that would I mean, that would make sense because I can't stand anything he does in general. So, well, can't. This is this is certainly fair. Point Break is wonderful. Just for the record, Keanu Reeves is working on uh, Bill and Ted Three. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I, I don't even like the second one. They really <laughs> that first film, and I just watched it the other day because it's on Comedy Central. That first film is still wonderful, and probably like the great uh, thing about that is he doesn't even have to act for that nope. movie. Nope, not at all. Oh, yeah, when he, well, what do you think they tell him there? Yeah, just tie your, tie your jacket around your waist and say Ted, Theodore, or Logan a bunch, you moron. <laughs> and then it worked out perfectly for him. I love that movie. That's a top 20 film for me. I like the whole George Carlin Rufus character. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think that the time. dies there. No, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go around. James, you got anything else? Dolphins related not or this not? Evening. No, no, no. <laughs> Duke. Um, we already talked about the Google Hangout on, on Friday night and uh, everything else. I'm not going to touch that again. Um, the East West Shrine Game is this week. Play the Senior Bowl is next week, so there'll be some. Uh, People to watch if you're hey. interested in the, the basically some good players in each. If you're interested in um, Dolphins, Dolphins fans are looking for some uh, players that they might want to think about the Dolphins drafting. There are Dolphins players on the field next weekend. The Pro Bowl. <laughs> we get that random week where the Pro Bowl happens before the before the Super Bowl, and it, nobody really cares. Yeah, that's next weekend. Um, okay. So Keith, but I think if they do it then, they people care just slightly a little bit. They do care just a slightly, sliver, a just a sliver more. more. Yeah. Like five more people watch it, and so it's brilliant. It is. It, it's it's the best way to go. Yeah, <laughs> um, no doubt. My vote for if we're going to do this Google Hangout Friday night dress up. Uh, after Point Break, I suggest we dress like the character from Highlander. <laughs> there can be only one. Who's Duncan? Huh. Who's or, Duncan and who's Connor? Uh, doesn't well, it doesn't matter. Well, you because you're. Oh no! I don't know. This would be it. Would be James because he's the oldest. And 
the Connor Bell. Cloud is what, like 500 years old in that movie or whatever. And remember, but Duncan kills Connor eventually. Nah, whatever. I just want to be the Sean Connery character. I like how they made him a Spaniard in that movie. Yep. What a versatile actor. We can do anything with this guy. We can make him <laughs> Russian, South African. You name you it, can. we can do it. Uh, or we could dress like the, um, what'd you say? We lost you there, or I lost you at least. Yeah, what'd you say? I was just saying we could dress like the, when the Cobra Kai wear those Halloween costumes in the karate, (laughs) those Dave skeleton things. Yep. That would be cool too. (laughs) What? Okay. Um, we can invite Tim Tebow and he can dress us again. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode just randomly has the gimp in it. <laughs> we, we just he, he disappears in the background, go. makes some noise, and dances around and leaves. <laughs> He's wearing like those double their suit, little like mouth zip thing. <laughs> yep. Oh boy, yeah. Wait up, Tim Tebow. <laughs> okay with that I'll go ahead and close the show but I do want to say that this show it's a lot like Star Trek The Next Generation in many ways it's superior but it'll never be recognized as the original <laughs> everybody have a good night right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99 plus earn double O rewards points help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts better parts better prices every day limit supplies see store for details oh 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts my name is Spencer Hall my name is Jason Kirk my name is Ryan Nanny and when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fultron! I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about... Lawn care disasters. Regional grocery stores we love. Tennessee Batman. Homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.